Since this podcast was recorded, the release date for Prime Video's Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose has been changed to the 8th of November. Hello and welcome to Binge Watch, the podcast where we take a look at the hottest new TV and film releases on streaming television platforms. I'm Hannah Fernando, the group editor of Woman and Woman Home magazine. And I'm Ian McEwen, writer on TV Times, TV and Satellite Week and Watch on TV magazines. And today we're looking at the new releases for the week starting Friday the 20th of October 2023, including Stephen Graham in the Netflix crime drama Bodies, which is set across four different timelines. And the Paramount Plus supernatural thriller The Burning Girls, starring Samantha Morton as a vicar investigating a mysterious disappearance. We'll also be checking out Amazon Prime's film comedy Nandor Bodor and The Talking Mongoose, starring Simon Pegg as a paranormal investigator, as well as Colleen Rooney, the real Wagatha story. Now you're talking. A three-part Disney Plus series about the 2022 trial that literally gripped the nation, particularly me. First, Ian, what is the news? In Netflix's emotional film, His Three Daughters, Natasha Lyon, Elizabeth Olsen and Carrie Coon will play estranged siblings who meet again as their father is on his deathbed. What else is in the news, Hannah? And Jason Isaacs will play Hollywood icon Cary Grant in the four-part biographical ITVX drama, Archie, which will arrive next month. Well, a lovely selection box of goodies we have for you this week. We're going to start on Netflix. Arriving on Thursday, the 19th of October, it's the new series, Bodies. And here's a clip. You're not the first detective to discover this body. D.I. Hillinghead, 1890. D.S. Whiteman, 1941. D.S. Hassan, 2023. And D.S. Maplewood, in 2053. Okay, this is one to get your head round. Uh, it's based on a graphic novel. It's an eight-part series. And check this out. <laughs> it's set in 1890, 1941... 2023 and 2053 so relatively straightforward there so you've got your four different timelines and in each timeline the same corpse yes is discovered in the same place which is in uh, Whitechapel in East London and uh, the body has been shot in the eye is naked and has this peculiar tattoo on the arm and so we're following four different detectives in these different timelines as they well investigate the mystery who is this who is this person what happened to them but as you may suspect since it's the same body Hannah there is a connection in present day London we see DS Shahara Hassan played by Amaka Okafor there's a political rally going through the streets and she sees a young lad who she thinks has a gun and she chases him. Anyway, I won't go into it. And that, that that plays out in an interesting way. And we keep chopping and changing between the different timelines. And um, in the 19th century, there's uh, D.I. Alfred Hillinghead, played by Kyle Soller, 
So he arrives on the scene. He meets a local journalist, Henry Ash, played by George Parker, who's been taking photographs. And that leads him down a particular alleyway and brings in, you know, a story that relates to kind of um, underground gay scene, etc., etc. In 1941, wartime, you've got this very spivvy-like cop, Charles Weitzman, who uh, he's played by Jacob Fortune Lloyd, and he's a bent copper. Um, he's working in London during the Blitz. We follow him. And right at the end of episode one, we go into the future, 2053. Can you imagine what the world would be like in 2053? Well, in this, Hannah, it looks very much like an advert for an electric car. Anyway, so DS Iris Maplewood, played by Shira Haas from Unorthodox. So she's driving through a post-apocalyptic city and makes the same discovery, the same body in the same place. But we see projected onto a wall in the future, we see the character played by Stephen Graham. And he is also appears to have been glimpsed in a photograph taken in the 19th century story. So it's an intriguing opening. It looks really good. The sets, the period detail is very well done. My only worry with this kind of thing is it's such a fascinating setup. You think, I hope the payoff is good enough and believable and convincing. But but the signs are all positive and I very much enjoyed. I, I cannot imagine for the life of me what the answer to the mystery is, but I do want to find out. What did you think of this one, Hannah? Um, well, I thought it was very complicated for my small brain. No, I, I do myself a disservice. Um, it is complicated, though. It's complex, I should say. And it, I, I mean, I, I do quite like it when it's done well. And, and as you say, it's, it's quite promising, this, because, it, you know, as long as it sort of follows all the way through and there is a really good ending and it all works out really well, then fine. But I can't imagine where you start with something like this. I mean, there's a real... When you move from sort of, it's, it's, it's like 160 years it spans, isn't it? I mean, it's a huge amount of time. And each era absolutely has its own vibe and you transports you quite quickly to it. But it's something that you need to be absolutely focused on and absolutely understanding. But as I say, it's kind of, when you jump from one thing to the other, it needs to be quite clear. And I suppose this to a degree is because it's, like you said, it's the same murder just in a different time um and so it is it is pretty from what i can see so far it's pretty clever but i do think an action packed um but i do kind of ask the same question you which is where is this going and will it finally de deliver and I, and I and i hope it does me too also arriving on thursday the 19th on paramount plus we have another new drama series called the burning girls and here's a clip hello I'm Jack. I'm the new vicar. I know who you are. I hope you'll like it here. It's a small village. People are nice. Mostly. 1556. Two young girls were burned at the stake here. Thanks for bringing me here, Mum. You're welcome. Yes. Now, this is um, great. <laughs> I love Samantha Morton, um, who plays the Reverend Jack Brooks, who's the main character in this. Um, and... For anybody, well, some people will have already read 
um, the book. It's, a, it's from CJ Tudor's novels. It's adapted from that. So you'll see some, I mean, there will be some differences, obviously. But um, if you've read the book, then you'll know what you're getting involved in. But essentially, um, as I say, Samantha Morton, who is in The Walking Dead, um, plays the Reverend Jack Brooks. And she comes from a sort of, a, I think it's Nottingham, where she was posted previously. And she was dealing with um, you know, real issues, whereas now she's been moved to a parish in a, in a Suffolk village. And she, I think it's called Chapelcroft, and she, it's completely different. Suddenly, um, it, this is sort of very middle England. They don't have the same issues that she was dealing with before. But it's really quite scary because many years before the village um, witnessed the terrifying deaths of eight-year-old twin sisters, Abigail and Maggie. And um, the ghosts of Ab Abigail and Maggie might still be around. But it, I, I'm laughing about it, actually. But this really makes, you know, from what I've seen of it so far, was really making me jump. It's really quite scary. It really plays with your mind. It, I think it's really quite well done because something like this could, you, you could laugh at it. We've seen so many horror films before, haven't we? We've gone before that we thought, oh, God, that's not really, that doesn't really, very credible or authentic. Um, but I think it's all part um, of the way that Samantha Morton deals with this and she moves to the village with her daughter they have a very close relationship the daughter doesn't want to want to leave um nottingham's pretty edgy there she likes it but she wants to support her mum and they have a really lovely close relationship but they start to see things that you can't unsee um and it's uh pretty gripping actually um and and from what i've seen so far i'm, I'm really enjoying it what do you think Ian? Yeah, I thought episode one was great. And as you say, I hadn't read the book, but the relationship between Jack and her daughter, Flo, who's played by Ruby Stokes from Bridgerton, that's really well done. And yes, you say the daughter doesn't want to come to this place. She thinks it's awful. And when they arrive to look at the church and the vicarage, there's a moment in the graveyard that is absolutely spine tingling um i won't say what happens but it's oh my goodness and i think there are lots of moments like that and with the with the ghosts of these these girls that were burnt at the stake uh if you see them you you also smell smoke apparently so uh, and they're supposed to haunt the chapel and then there's another case of two teenage girls who vanished from the village 30 years earlier so um Jack meets this retired journalist, Joan, played by Jane Lapater from The Crown. She, she's really good in this. And she tells her this story and she's kind of filling her in. There's all sorts of weird stuff going on. So someone has left an exorcism kit on Jack's doorstep. So that's rather interesting. There's um, a local character, I think it's played by Rupert Graves, who's just really obnoxious landowner. He's awful, and kind of Jack immediately gets sort of off on the wrong foot with him. Um, there's a young lad who Flo finds in the shed, um, and kind of it looks as if they might become friends. So, and there's one very creepy character. He's even got a, a very creepy haircut. Who is is involved with the local church? I hope he doesn't turn out to be the villain because. That seems to be what they want you to think, but perhaps it's a red herring. But yeah, anyway, if you like things like, you know, the Omen, um, this is going to be right up your street because I think it 
it, it it's a really nice the way that it balances the very modern relationship and dialogue of mum and daughter which feels really natural with this this kind of ancient terror um from from hundreds of years ago so yeah looks good don't watch it on your own on prime video arriving on friday the 20th we have a feature-length fantasy comedy called nandor fodor and the talking mongoose yes that's right and here's a clip i am dr nandor fodor the world's foremost parapsychologist i am not a skeptic this is the strangest case i have ever encountered a family living in a farmhouse claim a talking mongoose lives in their barn. Creature's name is Jeff. What do you think about them? Do not be misled by the title of this one, Hannah. When I read the title, I thought this is going to be some whimsical fantasy. It's actually based on a true story. Yes, a true story of a talking mongoose, would you believe, which hit the headlines... Back in the 1930s, it was a thing. Uh, and they actually show you the, the, the um, newspaper coverage in it. So it stars the wonderful Simon Pegg, uh, who, of course, is a big star now, isn't he? He's mates with Tom Cruise, and he did the brilliant Cornetto trilogy of films. Anyway, he plays a real-life character of the title, Nandor Fodor, who's a Hungarian-American paranormal psychologist. He is alerted to this tale of a talking mongoose on the Isle of Man by a character played by Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future. Yes. So he heads off there. He's kind of got his accent because he's Hungarian-American. It's a rather unusual accent. It sounds a little bit like uh, Christoph Waltz in a Tarantino film, but it works well. Peg is great in the role. He goes with his assistant played by the lovely mini driver, favourite of mine, to investigate. The mongoose is called Jeff, which I like. And Jeff lives with this family called the Irvings, who live on a farm. I'm not going to say too much uh, about how the investigation, how Nandor's investigation of this phenomenon pans out, but it's just really nicely done, I think. It's almost got a touch of the local hero vibe to it that that classic movie set in scotland and it has something to say about i guess it's got some a philosophical side to it in terms of you know why do we want to believe in certain things and and why are certain people insistent on trying to find out the truth and and trying to prove things to be wrong so and it, there's a little bit about kind of seances a little bit about harry houdini and mediums to sort of set up the backstory which is fascinating peg is great Driver is great. Christopher Lloyd is great. Neil Gaiman, the writer, is the voice of Jeff the Mongoose. So, yeah, I, I found this very charming. Unusually, there's a lot of scenes where they're happy to let two people sit in a room and just talk, which I think in modern cinema is quite unusual. And it also has another of our favourites, Hannah Paul Kay, playing a local character on the Isle of Man. So, yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised by this. What did you think? It's quite fun, isn't it? Um, but also because of the dynamic, because, well, firstly, as you say, there's some good names in this, including Simon Pegg and Mini Driver, both of which are great. But also um, the fact that some people are quite sort of open to the idea that this could be a real thing and actually true. And then other people just know, well, knowing, thinking, um, assuming it's just a massive hoax and it's just a load of nonsense. 
And so I think, I mean, who would have thought of doing a story on this? That's the thing, or, or doing something like this. Um, but they do it really, really well. The backdrop's really nice um, because a lot of the scenes are filmed in the Isle of Man. So I think that looks, I don't know, feels quite um, authentic and, I don't know, bring, I don't know, bring something to it, I think, a bit there. Uh, just, I don't know, it just sort of feels um, oh, gritty, I suppose, because the weather's not great. Um but I, I I think it's really good. No, but I think it's good because of the people that are involved in it, and there are sort of there, there are some quite funny moments. Well, this last one arriving on Disney Plus on Wednesday, the eighteenth of October, had your name written all over it, Hannah. It's it's, <laughs> it's a documentary series, a three-parter called Colleen Rooney: The Real Wagatha Story, and here's a clip. Wagatha Christie starts today at the High Court. Fellow wags and former friends embroiled in a bitter row. Someone on my personal account was informing the Sun newspaper of my private posts and stories. I thought, I'm going to do something about it. You know what? I can remember exactly where I was when the news hit or the Instagram <laughs> showed itself to me of what Colleen Rooney had written. It was unbelievable. And who'd have thought that really in such a short space of time, um, Disney Plus kind of bought the rights to this. And because it, it was very, very quickly dubbed um, uh, the Wagatha um, story, because, of course, um, what had happened was, for anyone that doesn't know, I'm sure absolutely everybody does know, but Colleen Rooney sort of went undercover investigative journalist um, and tried to find out who was leaking stories about her. And she did it by planting fake stories, which were then given to a national newspaper. And then once she found out who it was, she named that person, which was a fellow, well, her husband, a fellow footballer's wife, Rebecca Vardy. Um, so it all ended up in high court. Um, it was just something so modern day about it I just couldn't it felt like something fake when I saw them going into those into that court it was just unbelievable it was kind of a fashion show Rebecca Vardy looked amazing every day Colleen turned up every day with Wayne by her side pretty much on every occasion if not all of them um, and this is a three-part series documenting that and they have access to all areas really in terms of the Rooney's family and friends um, and I actually think she comes over really, really well because for many years, Wayne, until he sort of wasn't on the footballing circuit as a player, I suppose, dominated headlines for perhaps all the wrong reasons. And I'm not suggesting these are the right reasons, but this has really kind of shone a spotlight on her and what she's like as a person. Um, I think she looks phenomenal in it. Um, I think she comes over in she's incredibly genuine it seems i feel within it um and it's basically as she says an opportunity for her to tell her side of the story why she did it how she did it and what she feels about it all now and um wayne is interviewed and he just like just, what, what she done now you know just couldn't believe that she'd gone and done it and i think it was a real sort of empowering moment for colleen who's been sort of the wife at home who hasn't said an awful lot about all the headlines and things that have gone in the past, which have, can't be easy for a wife to sit back, read and watch, etc. Finally having her moment. And um, I have to say, she did it with ultimate style. Um, and this is, yeah, 
I absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. I felt very, very genuine, very authentic. I can't help but feel the other side might do their story at some point. But for now, this is the real Wagatha story and I thoroughly enjoyed it. How about you, Ian? To some extent, I feel this whole incident has, has had far too much coverage in a way. But but we, <laughs> we, we have actually already had Vardy's version of events, haven't we, in, in, in another programme uh, what intrigues me about the whole story, well, number one, if you were worried about things that you put on social media being leaked to the press, why not just stop putting them on social media, number one, or only put things on that you were perfect happy to share anyway. But anyway, then then there's um, the fact that, uh, <laughs> that it was Vardy who took the legal action. I mean, that's one of the worst decisions anyone's ever made. She she took Rooney to court, not the other way around. And also the fact that um, her phone was thrown into the sea <laughs> mysteriously. So it's it's a, such a bizarre story, isn't it? It's an absolute gift. It's a gift for the tabloids, this story. And that's, I guess, why it's had so much coverage. And the fact that some bright spark um, coins the Wagatha Christie <laughs> description of it. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, it does kind of continue to, to fascinate in a way. And I do think, as you say, I think I think Colleen comes over really well in it. And, and I think, it's, it, you know, it, it is time that she had a chance to put her side of it. And uh, I, I think most people will, will very much kind of um, come down. The court of public opinion will rule in her favour as, as the actual court did as well. We've got to that time, Hannah, where you reveal what you've been binging on this week. Well, I, I watched the remainders of the panorama, the Russell Brown panorama, um, actually. And then on a more lighthearted note, Strictly, <laughs> it's in my life. I love it. <laughs> yes, Strictly for me, of course, still loving it. And um, a lot of Rugby World Cup action. And it's been quite a week this week, hasn't it? England squeaked through, but Wales and Ireland, surprisingly, were knocked out. So, yeah, that's going to go on for weeks yet. <laughs> uh, it seems to be going on forever, isn't it? But there we go. We've just got time to look ahead to next week's offerings. So what are they, Hannah? Well, Emily Blunt and Chris Evans will star in Netflix's true story crime caper, Pain Hustlers, about a corrupt pharmaceuticals company. Mm, one of the chances. And <laughs> Seleni Henry draws on his family history for the post-Windrush drama, Three Little Birds on ITVX. So we look forward to those and much, much more. But in the meantime... Watching! Watching.